Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes a circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Surrounding me with love 
For to find a balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
Um, I, I imagine there's going to be some shows I'm going to do <laughs> from time to time, but I'm doing so much shifting of the focus right now, and um, not just the focus for the show, but in my work in general and bringing out so many things. And so it's really important. I have a lot of shifts and changes coming up um, that I've been told I need to just kind of step back from the show a little bit. And it was a very, very hard decision to do, but um, I think I'm going to be very happy as that goes on and and, um, and I step more and more into these shifts because it's going to hopefully bring me more out into your area in a live way, you know, in, in personal ways that um, give you opportunities for, for other ways of participating. But like I said, I will have some shows and some discussions and you'll want to stay tuned through my Facebook page of Jesse on Nichols George Coding Interpreter um, because I will be doing a lot of coding things through there. There may be uh, probably some more posts coming up and more code insights that will be running through that page in the meantime. So that's going to be a, a great place to stay on top of, of the code information for you. I am what is known as a coding interpreter, and what that means is I interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life filled with compassion. So I'm looking at their individual blueprint in this incarnation and how their energy flows and vibrates in the world. I have created the Genesis Statement, which is available to experience where other people have interviewed me. Just hop onto my website, and you'll find that media tab, and, and you'll see the tab where I have other people that have interviewed me and the list of shows there. Um, I've also authored four books, You, Me, Life, Dreams, which are the most recent ones, and it's companion workbook. And those are all about relationships, finding the perfect relationship, creating the perfect relationship for you, and working in the masculine, feminine energy role. So, you know, that's not necessarily tied to the sex that we're born into, but we all take on those different roles at different times, and how are we balancing those? I also have written Activating Compassion in this companion workbook, which is just a great um, book for learning to work with life, you know, learning to bring compassion into our everyday life and how to just open up some of what our life purpose is and, and to work on discovering that and interrelating with people in the world. In addition, I'm also a collaborator on a fifth book called Embraced by the Divine, The Emerging Woman's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. And that's a very, very exciting um, book. We have lots of different things that are in the works uh, with that group, so that's something that you can check out as well, um, what future things. and. Um, certainly, I'm always open, by the way, to getting out to different areas and um, doing presentations or speaking at events or, um, you know, sharing my work with the books and things like that. So if you have an interest in me getting out to your area, definitely contact me and we'll see what we can work out. In addition, I've also created the True North Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, signings, and various events. And you can check out all of these different things through my website at CompassionCodes.com. So that's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-C-O-D-E-S.com. And I really wanted to just take a moment to appreciate all of those that share my shows here because when you do, you're literally changing lives. I've literally had people that came to me and said, you know what, I, I heard about your show because somebody shared it or I saw that you shared the show and it interested me and I listened in and it literally saved my life. It changed my whole attitude. It changed my thoughts. And these were people that were in dark spaces all the way to the point of suicide, and the show turned them around. So you, you never know 
what is going to shift for somebody. You never know what it's going to bring in. And one of the things I try to do is even when I'm delving into the heavier subjects that can be challenging and can be for some people kind of almost depressing at times, like last week when we delved into television shows, that can be very intense information to take in. I always like to follow those up, though, with the aspect of showing that we have choice and we are powerful in this world and we are not at the mercy of these things. And the more we open our consciousness and the more we open compassionate hearts into the world, the more we will shift this energy. And I oftentimes have people saying that. They go, how can I clear out this energy? How can I clear this out? How can I change this? And it literally comes down to just being love, being compassion, being in these vibrations that elevate with this giant open heart. And that's, that's where it really is. That's the best means of protection in the world. That's the best means of awareness in the world. And that's where the differences really get made. So wanted to put that out there. Definitely take the time and just, uh, again, I appreciate all of those who have been sharing the shows and sharing the work here. And by the way, anybody who um, comes in to the show as an archive, they can just use the same link that you use to get into the live show, or they can um, catch it through the Main Street Universe listing as a podcast on iTunes or TuneIn.com, or again, through my YouTube channel. So Whatever their preferences, they've got an option for it. Sometimes it takes me a little bit to get the YouTube version up, but usually I'm pretty good at getting that up within a couple of days after the show. Now, before we get started on everything, I like to open up in a book called The 72 Names of God. It's by Yehudah who is a great Kabbalah master, and Yehuda also brings the big topics into everyday language, so I um, really love that about what he does, and each week it's um, I open up and get a great message here to work with. Now, this week what we have, the common name of God that we have that we're dealing with is called listening to your soul. And his initial message on this is every one of us has a personal mission, a spiritual goal that we must achieve in this lifetime. But the interferences of the material world constantly derail us. If we listen really carefully, our souls will direct us to our purpose, where we need to be. And the insight that he goes on to give on this is, prior to creation, all the souls of humanity were bound up as a one unified soul. This soul shattered into countless sparks, bringing into being all the individual souls who were destined to walk this earth. That includes each one of us. Each spark of soul must achieve its own individual transformation and spiritual purpose before the blessed unity of the one soul can be restored. In business, in our relationships, and in our personal connection to the Creator, there are clear-cut spiritual objectives that must be accomplished in order to bring peace and happiness to us and the world. But the world has failed to find its spiritual way and ultimate destination because the clamoring of the ego drowns out the calling of our soul. Ego constantly gives us the wrong direction, the incorrect instruction. We wind up in dangerous neighborhoods and dead ends in our pursuit of meaningless ambitions and empty materialistic goals. 
you know, I have to say that so many times I run across this where people, it's like their big goal in life is to have, you know, a Mercedes or a BMW or, you know, something like this. And it's like, you're not going to take that with you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's no, you know, there's, there's no ongoing eternal meaning that moves through with that in a sense. So, um, you know, oftentimes we do get these distractions going and we think if I just have this or I just have that. And you know, this is where we need to redirect and get back to that full connection versus letting our ego run everything. Because when the ego runs things, that's where we get into our not enough patterns. That's where we get into nothing is ever enough. There's never enough to cover everything. Um, it keeps us locked in to these spirals. And I talked about some of those things that actually come through that are enhanced through the programming. So uh, last week on last week's show, but we have some other shows, and this is really going to play in good, this listening to your soul, because this message from Yehuda is, I think, really big when we're looking for spiritual masters, so to say. We're looking for those gurus and those mentors and those people to give us some guidance along the way to help us in the awareness path and the process along the way. Now, the, the meditation that Yehuda gives with this uh, particular name of God is, the whispers of your soul and the divine counsel of the light are heard loud and clear. You know what you have to do. You are willing and prepared to do what it takes to get it done. That's a big meditation right there. Easing into that acceptance, easing into that willingness to do that and surrendering to that process is so powerful. And I'm myself in the process of listening to my soul right now and making the shifts and the changes and the steps and living meditation that Yehuda provides <laughs> in this um, and being willing to go ahead and make the shifts and the changes that are going on. And there's some big ones coming up in the next couple of months. So um, I'm not even sure how they're all going to unfold, but I know they're going to. <laughs> so I just have to hang on and, and work with that ride. Now, again, the common name of God this week is listening to your soul. And the formal name is mem, mem, mem. That's mem, mem, mem. So that is posted, by the way, um, if you go into my website under media, the code connection, you'll see insights and messages there, and that is in there. Um, kind of a long message that I'm delving in today before we get into the meat of our topic. And uh, this is, um, you know, a little bit longer today, but there's also some points that I'm going to be coming back to that are in this initial insight today um, that we're going to delve into with the meat of the show. So. That's part of why I'm taking a little extra time. And, it's, you know, this is one of those topics this week that really were, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of different components and pieces to it. And for some people, they may not like what I have to say, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not here to be the most popular person or to tell people what they want to hear, but I am going to open up some awareness, and I'm going to open some eyes up for people to really take a look and question things. That's a big thing. Question, question, question in the world. And, you know, your real spiritual teachers and mentors, they don't mind all the questions. 
they don't care if you ask them a thousand questions or if you ask them the same question a thousand times. Um, that is not an issue because they understand those spiritual processes. Those spiritual mentors who don't want you asking questions, that's somebody to think about. So let's delve into this pre-insight here that uh, we'll do before going on break today. And this will give you a little something to to get going with those thoughts and where we're headed in today's show. Spiritual practices always what they present themselves to be. Are the spiritual leaders and mentors walking their talk or just telling us what we want to hear? Are spiritual experiences provided by alleged masters and gurus really spiritual experiences or just a scam? There's no doubt that the spiritual industry has become one of greater and greater focus over the years. And even those that once were focused on, say, porn and adult sites have shifted into creating psychic hotlines because they are more profitable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you heard that right. That's something to think about. This leads me to open the thoughts to those starting into and on their spiritual path to really pay attention to what they are getting involved in. While there are many wonderful people that are authentically and genuinely bringing their work forward as a means to benefit us in the world, there are also many false prophets and people that are looking to make a quick buck. Over the last several years, people have been, have been seeing a psychic as an easy way to um, make money at home, and if they hit 50% accuracy, then they are good enough. That's something to think about as well, right? 50% accuracy, and they're considered good enough. Sure, there have always been those that have put on a good show, but now there is even more that see spiritual experiences and practices as a quick and easy way to make a buck. For those that are sincerely trying to work on themselves and develop on a path divine path, this can lead to lots of confusion and frustration and even danger as they pour out tons of energy and money to oftentimes get little for it. The people they have that the people they have the easiest access to are oftentimes those that have built lists of large numbers by adding people without permission or are willing to pound in box marketing email messages or use pressure and fear tactics to get people in. And we have many illusions about those that are in the forefront. But when it comes down to it, it is often about who has brought their thought their way there, or who has the numbers that somebody wants, which leaves some of the best off to the side unnoticed. More so than this, though, are the many that see spiritual people as an easy target or lure. Ironically, in their process to become authentic and connected, they still seek out big names and flashy promises that come at a high price. Many have fooled that because someone comes in a spiritual package that they must be a good person or must be truthful and honest. However, this is really about who is marketed in a way to draw attention. In reality, many of the so-called true and authentic mentors are not out getting your attention or marketing themselves. They are not appealing to the masses. They cannot be bought and do not cater to only those with money. 
Now, I do believe some sort of exchange is important. It certainly is not fair to ask the dream mentors to live without any resources. However, you will not find them driving BMWs and living an expensive lifestyle. The true mentor is not concerned about these material things and does not take pleasure in having them. Often a spiritual practitioner has come to me and said, it is not right for us to suffer and be without. However, the key here is that the real mentors do not find themselves or without when they do not have fancy or expensive material things. They realize that there is no pleasure or satisfaction in them and thus do not seek them or desire them. When looking at embarking on a spiritual path and journey, it's important to learn how to decipher those that are genuine and those that are not. And just because someone doesn't do something for free does not make them less genuine. There can be many factors in their decision. And many times I have gifted people with things, and other times I have said no to the freebies for people. And this oftentimes can be connected to where someone is at, their sincerity, and the many that just go around wanting something for free and will not actually implement what is given to them. As you can see, the deception can lie on both sides of the fence. So many times we first connect with those that are in the limelight, be that a phrase from the Dalai Lama, a meditation from Deepak Chopra, or through a speaker on a large teleseminar, or through a spiritual journey. And we trust that what we are getting is real and authentic. And I would say that somewhere there is truth and connection for us in the words being spoken. However, it is important to look further into what lies beyond the glam and stardom in the show. Now, some of the hidden secrets, unsuspecting spiritual students taking journeys and being drugged to a point that they have had money and resources stole from them, and several incidences of death from ayahuasca experiences, bodies being tossed into areas and only brought forward through relentless investigation. India has been under scrutiny for the false gurus who are show and glam for unsuspecting learners that want to say they have studied with some well-known person or an Indian guru. And just a few months ago, the tigers of the Tiger Temple have started being removed due to being drugged and huge unfolding of scamming tourists out of money to take their picture with the tiger. For example, paying $200 for less than a minute to snap a photo. Not to mention all of the selling of animal parts for money. A friend of mine that grew up in a community where the monks would come unfold, unfolded a lot of secrets of how the households in true need were passed by and they would only go to those places of great wealth and did not spend their time in prayer and meditation as presented to the public, but in activities that most would consider very astray from the spiritual life. You know, it's amazing when we look at these things and we start to find out the truth because we always have this illusion of these spiritual mentors and these monks and these various groups and peoples and people on these paths and how they're just into everybody. And the people that have lived within it have shared stories, many, many more stories with me otherwise of just like this friend who unfolded to me, the monks 
never had time for the people who were truly in need, who were poor, only for the people who were rich. We don't like to look at that. Walking the spiritual path can be confusing enough without these false prophets abundantly in the limelight. So when embarking on your spiritual journey, I have some suggestions for you to keep in mind. One, set aside the glam of what is presented to you and see if what, there, what is there is really resonating with you on a core level. Are you receiving peace, as in P-E-A-C-E, or pressure around what you are considering? Two, ask a lot of questions. True practitioners are happy to answer questions about their work and won't charge you for that. Three, ask others what has worked for them, not just those that are offering up referrals. Ask people you know if they have any experiences with them. You know, because going to the people that have actually worked with them is important. It's actually not that hard to get some great referrals. And I've seen this over and over again. I've seen it on numerous books where people just hand out referrals and comments, and they've never read the book. They've never had anything to do with it. They don't even really know the person that is doing the book. So, you know, we have to be careful of some of those things. Four, are they sharing information with you or trying to sell you something? Many will say, I want to help you or I can heal you. You don't need help or healing. You're already whole. And if they are presenting things through fear, then they are not likely who you want to work with. If they are focused on your inadequacies, they are not who you want to work with or may not be legitimate. Watch out for those that try to tell you that evil is around you. These people will ask for more and more money. Five. Look for those that offer ways for you to develop yourself and feed your ability to stand on your own and independently. Those that want to keep you dependent on them are not working with integrity. Avoid those that are trying to sell you things to solve your problems. No material thing will solve your problems. Nothing outside of you is the answer. Six, watch out for shiny object syndrome. Okay, anything that is promising you all kinds of material things or promising magnificence without effort is not legitimate. Okay, we see this a lot in the MLM schemes, the you know the multi-layering marketing schemes, things like that. Um, they they present these things to be such a magnificent thing, and they're not. They're just there to get your money. So watch out for that. We call I call it shiny object syndrome. Actually, that comes that phrase comes to me from a friend of mine, Lorraine, who who oftentimes calls it that. And I agree with her. That's exactly what it is. Ooh, look at the shiny object <laughs> in there. Uh, number seven, learn about the path of the person you are considering working with. What have they been through? Have they worked through their own stuff? And have they been through challenges? What kind of lifestyle are they living? The key here is, are they living what they are teaching or not? And if a person is telling you they can help you through challenges but have never been through any challenges, you may want to think twice about 
connecting with them. This is like someone saying, I can teach you to fly a plane, but I've never flown a plane and maybe has never been in a plane as even a passenger. Eight, really listen to what they are saying. Do they place themselves above others? Do they claim to be superior? Do they slander others? Do they make all kinds of promises? A genuine mentor knows that the results that you receive are based on what you do with the information. There can be no promises made or guarantees as there are many factors that can be influencing the results that you get. The real question is, do they have the ability to help you learn from and understand the experiences you are having? Can they shed light on the cause and effect of your situation or help you to deal with the choices that you have at hand? An authentic guide will not make decisions for you. Only present insight into the options so that you can decide for yourself. And they will help you to learn how to choose wisely, but not choose for you. Nine, take time to make your decision about working with someone. Don't let anyone pressure you into immediate decisions. Oftentimes people get wrapped up in the moment of something and act impulsively without really looking at things. People often cave into the pressure of sales tactics that they need to buy now. Step back and sit with it for a while. Meditate about it. Tune into your body and see what your body is saying. Relook at it tomorrow or the next day or next week and see if you are still feeling like it is resonating with you. Genuine mentors will not pressure you. They are not looking for those that have to be sold into their work but for those that are genuinely ready to do the work, okay? It is true that there are many dimensions to our path, and it is likely that we will weave in and out of a variety of things in exploration until we find what resonates for us. What does work at one point may, you know, work may or may not work at a different point as we expand our consciousness. Mentors, guides, teachers are likely to come and go as we shift and change along the way. Some will be there for a long time and some just to see us through certain parts of our path. Working with a mentor or guide that is authentic and stands in integrity can be a true gift. What works for one person may or may not work for another. So stand with what resonates with you and not just what others tell you that you should do. What experiences have you had with working with a guide or mentor? And what ways do you sort out those that are genuine? And what do you look for when choosing to work with someone or something as a part of your path? These are some big things to think about. Yeah, I told you it was going to be a big topic this week. (laughs) We have a lot going on. And we are, like I said, going to get into some big stuff, maybe blow the cover on some biggies uh, that are out there and take a look at some of the codes that are involved in that. And speaking of codes, the code energy for this week is all about focusing on your spiritual growth. This is a time where we need to focus on purpose and meaning over accomplishment. Spiritual lessons will need to be learned before we can progress further. And for some, This can feel very restrictive or inhibiting. 
for others, this will be an opportunity to bring in necessary balance into their life. And this is a time of awakening and unfolding the action you would like to take in the world. Any delays that you encounter at this time are an indication that there is more you need to understand before moving forward. For example, you may think because you know how to drive a car that you can handle driving a race car. However, there are things you need to know about handling a car going in circles at high speeds before taking that action. There are things that you may need to practice or skills to be developed instead of getting frustrated. Seek out the lessons that can be learned and see delays as a time of preparing you for what you are endeavoring on instead of hindering you. We don't always realize what we need to learn or why we need to know something, but that will soon be unveiled to you. Now, this message, as well as some of the other things, um, Yehuda's message are posted, like I said, on the Insights and Messages tab, which is under the Code Connection under Media on my website, and you can follow all of those things at www.compassioncodes.com. And I am going to take a short break here, and when we return, I will be talking about walking spiritual path and how to see the truth about the options, experiences, and mentors you are considering working with. The song that I've got for you during our break is called Is It Enough? It's by Claire Hedin. And you can check out more of Claire's work. I'm so very happy that she's been sharing her work with me and allowing me to use it on the show. You can check out more of it through her website at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Just to find the 
welcome back. You are listening to The Code Connection, and my name is Jesse on Nichols George, and I'm your hostess today. And that song that you were just listening to is called Is It Enough? It's by Claire Hedin, and again, you can check out more of her work at www.clairehedin.com, C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And today, boy, we are in a meaty topic. <laughs> um, this week, and you know, part of what I'm doing is I'm busting open the deception on things. That's right, because when you're on awareness path, it can be very easy to be deceptive. You start to get to a point where you've got to find that balance between trusting people and realizing when they're feeding you a story. And for so long, you know, I think people just thought, okay, whoever was in the spiritual industry was a good person, and we've seen so much of that change because there have been a lot of people putting money into the spiritual industry and as a result a lot of people have shifted and and jumped on the spiritual bandwagon as I was mentioning earlier in order to take advantage of getting some of that money and so more than ever uh, we have to start paying attention to what is going on and the people that we're connecting with uh, You know, you heard me talk about some things earlier, and I know even as an author, I had to break through a lot, a lot of myths about things um, along the way where I had these people that, you know, were part of my mentors and guides along the way and and loved them, and I had a chance to meet many of them uh, a couple of, like 25 years ago or so. And, uh, you know, in that process, it was, it was something really amazing because at that time, a lot of them were really authentic people. <laughs> you know, it, it, everybody was on a sort of equal playing field. But then as I started getting into writing my own books over the last few years here, and it was a big eye-opener for me to realize that most of the people that were, you know, at the top of the list bought their way there. You know, they paid money. They paid um, things to put themselves there. You know, there was just the whole realm of these marketing packages. And I started seeing, you know, the same box format show up over and over and over again and started realizing, oh, okay, I I get where this is going now. (laughs) And so I'm sure some of you have experienced that. If you've been through the teleseminars, you see the, the pages formatted the same way, different people, same format. They've got it set up the same way in there. And it grabs people's attention because so many times people are living in fears. And, and this is where we really want to take a look and say, well, where is somebody's focus? Is their focus on reaching the masses and reaching celebrity status? And there's all kinds of variations when it comes to that as far as some people being genuine who really want to reach as many people as they can and then you have those people who are not really concerned so many about so much about how many people they reach, but the work that they're doing. Um, I always think of Angelia Grace, who had this most amazing voice, who was on my show, and just beautiful, and she could probably go, and she's had all kinds of great invitations coming in, but she held so much integrity in the process where she chose to do very small venues. And when I say very small, I don't mean venues of 100 or 200 people. I mean venues that are literally like a yoga class. And 
and things like that. And, you know, it's mind-blowing that somebody as talented and gifted as she is, that's her choice. But that also shows me a lot of authenticity and a lot of integrity. And I know for myself, I've studied with a lot of people who were not necessarily the big names of the time. Uh, when I entered into things, we didn't have as many resources or access to people as we have now. That's, you know, definitely um, for certain at this point. But at the same time, uh, there are still a lot of the same same aspects. And a lot of my teachers, I had to speak, speak out. I had to, you know, really find them. They weren't standing out in the limelight. And when you really look at a lot of the gurus um, that are authentic, that have genuine wisdom, they're not always just standing out in the limelight. Uh, certainly with today's technology, they're doing more and more, but it's also been something that I too have been doing a lot of rethinking on as to how much I want to be coming through the technology means uh, because of the various connections that that has uh, with it. And my focus is going to be going more and more on live events and, and live activities that are going on. And uh, so there are these aspects that oftentimes, you know, these teachers are not out speaking to other people because their main, their main focus is not how many students can I get or how much money can I make. Um, you know, their focus is really truly on the work. And I know for me a lot of times it was an aspect of I would have connections and interactions with somebody for maybe a couple of years before they were my mentor because I really wanted to unfold what they were about. I really wanted to see them in the day-to-day -day workings of their life and how they handled things and how they did things. And I remember when I chose to learn certain things and study certain things, um, I did so with the teachers because of that very reason. Um, and they weren't doing these high-pressure tactics to get me signed up into a class. Um, I, I knew then when I studied that I was truly going to be ready to study. I knew that these people were people I could truly learn from. Now, the other dynamic that we see sometimes in gurus um, is the kind of unspoken teacher or mentor, uh, and that's where they may select somebody that they see um, with whatever talents or gifts or, or potential there. There's things about this, uh, somebody they may see, and they may take that person under their wing a little bit. Um, I think the key with a lot of true mentors is they don't really put themselves in that so-called teacher-student relationship because they know that there's always an equality there. And that leads me to a really, really big point that happens for a lot of people on their path is they tend to idolize teachers. They tend to idolize their mentors. They tend to put these people on a pedestal. And your genuine teachers really don't want to be on that pedestal because <laughs> they know there's no place for them to go but um, you know, I had a friend many years ago that said, you know, I don't ever want to be in a teacher-student relationship with somebody because it always ends in a battle and it always ends in somebody having to die off, be that metaphorically or literally or things like that um, before it ends. And I've seen that actually in many circles and many situations of that teacher-student relationship. And it's it's part of why, for me, it is more about sharing information. It's part of why 
I am kind of selective in who I take, and it's part of why, you know, I also don't do a lot of heavy promoting because as a person that has a lot of information to share um, and a lot of insights to, to provide and to awaken people with, I find that it can be overwhelming if somebody's not ready for it. And the person who doesn't want to seek me out, who doesn't want to have patience in the process of things, who is not listening to the basic things that I say, those people aren't ready for my work. And and that's not about isolating people out. That's not about saying, hey, my work is that great. It's about knowing and honoring sacred information and knowing where somebody's at and knowing what they can handle. Um, you know, I'd like to equate this. If you have a six-year-old, you give that six-year-old a toy car to drive, right? You don't give them an actual vehicle to drive where they can go out and most likely get into an accident and crash and, you know, kill themselves or somebody else. You don't put them in a race car on a racetrack in a race. Okay, they're not ready for it at six years old. And the same thing is true um, with things. And so I know as a student it's hard because you're thinking, I'm ready, I'm ready, I've learned this. <laughs> you know, as a person who's trying to expand their path and trying to grow, you're thinking, I'm there, I'm there, I've done this work. But the gurus, the real authentic mentors and guides, they know that there's layers and layers and layers to those lessons. And, you know, if for some reason they're saying no, if for some reason they're, they're not open to, to working with you at a particular time, don't take offense to it. Um, you know, ask them what you can work on in the meantime. Ask them about different things. Um, step back and honor that process. And it's not that they are placing judgment on you. It's that they have had enough experiences to identify when somebody's, you know, ready or not ready. It's like you're not going to, you're not passing judgment on that six-year-old of not being ready to drive a race car. You just know the physical aspects of what it takes to drive a race car. <laughs> and a six-year-old body doesn't have that capability. Uh, to do that. So it's that same same kind of concept in there. Uh, somebody who has a lot of experiences, they know what somebody is in for and they know the type of commitment that takes. They know the type of devotion and sincerity. And so there's, you know, they see people flitting from one thing to another to another to another and not doing anything, then a lot of the authentic teachers are going to say, you're not ready to study with me. Of course, you'll, you'll have plenty of people with paid programs that will be like, oh, yeah, come study with me. <laughs> I'll take your money. Um, and, and that's a big thing. Now, you know, another thing, too, before we had, you know, a lot of this heavy marketing going on through various aspects. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these things are all bad. Like telesummits, I have a couple of friends who run telesummits that are really, really wonderful people. And I think one of the things that they do bring forward is they do expose large groups of people to, you know, the work that's out there. And um, while there's a lot of them that will only deal with people who have massive, massive mailing lists, 
there are also those people who really want to look at sharing genuine practitioners out there. So I think that sometimes when somebody is completely unfamiliar where to go, sometimes the telesummits can be good to go to in a couple of different realms. One, they can get you know, work at a much cheaper price than what they would normally pay. So the telesummits do bring that factor to the table. Um, two, it, it just ex- helps them explore some of the general concepts and the basic foundations of what is out there. Um, but when it really comes down to it, it takes some human interaction and searching around. It takes looking around that, you know, instead of just looking at who's the most popular person out there, it takes, you know, maybe going to the back page. I oftentimes do that with searches. I'll just jump straight to like page 24 instead of looking at page one because, you know, sometimes that's where you find the most authentic people, (laughs) Uh, you know, or the people that are doing the work. And you've also got those other people out there that are not willing to play the games of the elite in order to have the exposure and the high masses of people following them, which is another reason why you might not necessarily know somebody's name right off the top of the bat. Um, and, you know, certainly that's not to knock the Wayne Chopra, the Deepak Chopras or the Wayne Dyers of the world or things like that. You know, they chose their paths to go into a very heavy marketing way, but they also bought their way there in a lot of ways. You cannot get on Oprah's show, for example, without spending a lot of money, without having a lot of resources already in place, without being willing to, you know, give away all kinds of things, to provide all kinds of things. So, you know, even I found this out as I was doing some promoting of of some of my work, and there's a lot of TV stations. They don't care if you're a good person doing good work out there. They want to know how much money you're going to pay them to be interviewed. And so those interviews oftentimes are bought. You know, they're not, they're not just given to people because they're doing genuinely good work. So the more technology and the more exposure that we've had to a lot of people, it's also opened the door to a lot of people saying, oh, hey, I'll just share information with you, and it doesn't matter whether I'm accurate or not. It doesn't matter whether I have any credentials. And even the credentials have become a joke because at one point you used to be able to look at a reverend credential and go, oh, wow, that person has studied, you know, theology. They've gone through looking at a variety of different worldviews and they've had to go through various things. Well, guess what? They don't. You don't even have to take a weekend course. I remember in Arizona I used to have to study a weekend course um, if I wanted to get that credential. Of course, it was still about the money in Arizona because, you know, they had a metaphysical practitioner's license that you had to have to to be a metaphysical practitioner there. Um, But now you can literally pay like five bucks and get your reverend credential. So when I'm looking around at people, it's like, I really don't care what your credentials are. (laughs) I want to sample your work, you know, or I want to get to know you as a person or I want to see what your lifestyle is like. Because, you know, here again, if you're telling me that You've had all kinds of hardship challenges in life, and I drive up to your place, and you know it's a a ten thousand foot mansion in Beverly Hills on a hilltop, and you've got twenty acres of land and five cars and a Porsche and a Lamborghini and a BMW. Honestly, I don't think you do know about challenges, (laughs) 
And honestly, I'm thinking, you know, you're on a path that I don't necessarily want to be on. And some people might think, oh, that's a really cool lifestyle. Of course, that's what I want to be on. But, you know, here again, ask yourself the questions. Why would a genuine spiritual teacher who is doing this be that focused on money? Again, I'm not saying that they have to suffer or lead any hard lifestyle, but I know myself, I've had a lot of changes over the years, and I don't view myself as suffering regardless of what I go through. And more and more, I am detaching from a lot of the material things and um, because there is not pleasure for me in those things. There's not fulfillment in those things. Uh, it's, it's all kind of like an immediate gratification, like getting the sugar rush and then you crash big time later. And so, um, you know, these things happen and then people have to keep up those appearances and it's like it's really contradictory to divine lifestyle to be living for other people's opinions and by appearances. So there's a lot of those things that we have to think about. And when we think about that, I mean, matter of fact, I was pulling up, when I got ready to do this show, I was pulling up some of the people and I was looking up, okay, who's our top influencers right now in the spiritual industry? And, <laughs> and of course, Deepak Chopra came right up, right? And he's developed a wonderful center and he's brought some of the Eastern techniques in and he was one of the you know right up there with John Gray one of the couple of first ones that really made it big 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 out there in the industry um, and you know and then you look at him and he's got like diamonds or bling all over the side of his glasses <laughs> and it's like I'm thinking to myself okay the average pair of glasses if they're prescription glasses you know, are going to easily cost you two or $500, you know, and it, then you put all of this bling on it. Well, why do you need that bling? You know, if you're this genuine, authentic person, why do you need all of that bling? Why do you need all of that gold? Why do you need all of these, you know, these aspects? You don't. You don't. The, the strongest, most spiritual people aren't adorning themselves with all of this stuff. Um, you know, when we look at the Christ consciousness or Christ when he was in incarnation, he didn't surround himself by all of these material things. And this is also why we're seeing some of the downfall in some of the Eastern belief systems and practices and some of the struggles there is because, and, and some of the exposure coming out on them, is because, you know, they have surrounded with so much material stuff. Um, along the way. You look at that with some of the temples that are out there. They're so ornate. And if you go back, I mean, what did one of the things Christ do? He cleared the temple. And, you know, one of the things that I did when I looked at the coding of the word temple, it actually codes out to being highly deceptive. It codes out to energy that is unexpected danger. It is unreliable friends, grief, um, so what does that tell you? You know, here again, uh, treachery, deception. It's saying that this energy that is created, you know, now I'm a person that as much as I'm not for the material world adornment, I've always had an interest in various religious structures, be it, be it a temple or a church or whatever. And there, there is a certain amount of sacred energy there, but there's also a lot of other energy there. 
that is open. And that's the piece that people don't get. You know, a lot of times these are quiet places, but when you look around, you look at how adorned these places are, they don't need to be. Now, you do certainly also have other retreat centers and things that are very, very rustic in the hills, uh, very um, minimal accommodations. They're not, you know, highly ornate or anything like that either. But I found that interesting that the codes of temple actually code out to to deception and treachery. And, you know, oftentimes that's one of the things that we have to, to be aware of. And, of course, as I mentioned in the starting of the show, uh, when I was reading the lead-in to the show, um, we talked about the Tiger Temple just uh, in um, uh, what was it? in March. They started the removal, and this has been an ongoing thing for years, and many people have thought, oh, you know, they've been sold, for example, that the monk's calm energy uh, was what was keeping the tigers so docile. Well, you know, if that was the case, they wouldn't need to be chained up. And these tigers were kept on extraordinarily short chains. Um, they were not just kept uh, there as an honoring to preserve tigers, as they originally done. This was a, an entire amusement park style aspect that was created there. And they, you know, they built it as a sacred temple or as a temple um, for, for the these sets of monks. And, you know, you can actually go online and they're like pulling the tiger's mouth all over the place and, and thinking it's funny, like, here, let me pull the tiger's mouth up and let them, you know, make them smile for the, the camera and things like this. Well, you know, the reality is, and I've known people that have actually gone to this um, temple and they, they didn't know better, you know, at the time of going there, but uh, the reality was that these animals were literally being drugged into a very docile state. So they were constantly kept under these drugs so that they wouldn't do anything. Um, they were going through harsh, harsh beatings uh, in order to keep them tame and under control and under the control of things. Um, and if somebody wasn't willing to pay the high prices, to be photographed with them. And, and these were very, very quick snapshots that they would do, and they weren't allowed to take their own snapshots um, along the way. Um, then they were just shuffled off. They weren't allowed to see things. They weren't allowed to be a part of things. They were just literally pushed away in a very rude way. Um, and we don't like to think this because we have this image of look at the wonderful monks that are traveling around all over the place doing things. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying that every single monk is like that. I'm not saying that every single monk is, is about the money. But when we look at these things, here, here you have people like the Dalai Lama who are preaching about compassion, and that's supposed to be the foundation of the Buddhist um, practices. And you've got a lot of people that are practicing under the pretense of that message. And then you run across these other aspects, like I mentioned with my friends who lived in the villages where the monks would visit and at the tiger temples. And basically, really what was happening, they were charging a minimum of $200 to take a single snapshot with the tigers. 
with a tiger and you literally had about one minute to take that picture. And that was it. And then if you wanted another aspect, they wanted another like $500. And then to boot, not only were they doing this, but they were opening up and they were also doing a lot of slaughter at this temple and they were selling off parts of the animals. So this is just one example of where we get disillusioned. You know, we're taught, hey, here's a spiritual leader. You know, it's just being taught, hey, the Pope or a priest or people like this are all good people. And yet here they are and they don't care about anything but the money you're dropping in your hands. And when you talk about how many tourists every day would go through the Tiger Temple and, um, you know, and have that and pay that kind of money, you know, you're talking tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars that are going into these people's pockets. And if you didn't have it, they didn't want anything to do with it. So I'm really glad they're shutting it down. There's such a massive amount of tigers there. They're having to remove them a small amount at a time, and the government is in the process of relocating them to a safe area. Of course, they are also struggling with the fact that there have been many cubs and um, younger animals that were born at the temple, and therefore they have no survival skills. So they will never be able to be released into captivity as a result of that. And they're, they're having to surveil them, you know, keep them under a kind of surveillance to see how they do as they come out from uh, out of the drug state. Now, those that listened to my show last week, I talked about the brainwashing that goes on and using brainwashing techniques through the messages and the TV programs that we have out there. This is another form of brainwashing. It's being done with animals, but it's another form of brainwashing in here. And so, um, you know, this is, a, this is another huge thing that, that happens when uh, brainwashing tactics are being used is there is a drugging aspect usually of some sort to keep the person docile and to keep their mind in a state that's easily programmable. Um, so, so that's what we saw there. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy every time, and I don't care who it is, when we get this, um, you know, the exposure on these things because people need to know about it. And I know that there were a lot of people that struggled particularly with these aspects connected to the, to the monks because a lot of people saw that as a more genuine practice. You know, they saw that grouping of spiritual practitioners as more authentic um, based on the way they presented themselves and the robes and things like that. So, you know, to me it's important because I've had friends that came and said, I don't even know how to deal with this piece of information. You know, this is, this is so heart-wrenching for me to think that somebody as powerful as the Dalai Lama or somebody in that kind of stature would acceptingly allow these things to go on and allow for practices. Now, of course, there's many different sects of, you know, um, as happens in many belief systems, there's different sects and those different when I say sex, that's S-E-C-T-S, so divisions or branches of the groups, and each ones have their own, own ways of doing things, um, but, but there seems to be numerous, numerous accounts. And what we're seeing today is, 
really with these these practitioners that are being exposed is it's because so many people have gotten on the spiritual bandwagon and they're not taking their time and they're giving them to tactics and, the, and they're buying into what they should be doing or who is the most popular people to deal with. And that's leading them down some very, very dangerous roads. That's leading them into these false teachers. So you really need to consider if somebody is that much out in the spotlight, they may not really be operating authentically. You know, there, there's probably a handful that are in the spotlight that actually are operating authentically out there who are living and walking their talk and who are really practicing what they're telling you to do, who have really had the experiences out there. Um, because, again, most of your authentic leaders are not speaking the limelight. They're not out there worried about how many people read their book. They're not out there, you know, wondering how much money they're going to get for something. So a really, really big journey. And then we see a lot of countries who have become impoverished along the way, and you see this in different countries like India or things like that. And and think about all those times, you know, um, uh, you know, I joked with somebody a, a while back, and I said it's like social, it's like Facebook has become a dating site. And they go, Facebook is a dating site. And I go, no, <laughs> Facebook is a social media site, but a lot of people are using it for a dating site. And you know, you look at the groups of people that are coming in from like the Indonesian countries and the various countries, and they're contacting whoever they think is rich, will and will pay for things. Well. You have many people in these countries, too, who are presenting themselves, say, as a guru, as a spiritual leader, take a spiritual journey with them. And there's a lot of these people out there leading spiritual journeys who have no experience. They have no experience in the countries they're at. They have no real experience doing what they're doing. Um, matter of fact, and, and this is not to you know, necessarily knock some of the people that are out there, again, doing these journeys. I mean, John Miguel Ruiz, I've got a good friend who, who has John Miguel Ruiz as a, as a guest on their show a lot and uh, things like that. But, you know, he does like those, what is it, the four corners and stuff, the Toltec, the indigenous wisdom um, journeys and things like that. And yet if you look into the Peruvian journeys and the people that are running them, they all have the same people in the pictures. It's exactly the same people in the villages that are in the pictures. So it's not just that, hey, these are the most popular guides. These people are being paid <laughs> to do those pictures. You know, they're they're making money off of that and to to give a certain presentation. So um, you know, this is coming out more and more and what we're finding that can be dangerous is because people are journeying into places that do authentically have some energy or some cover spots. And we're finding two things that are happening. People are being overtaken by that power. We're seeing that a lot of these countries who have done without are suddenly seeing this as a way to make money and take advantage of people. So they are not operating ethically or with responsibility on these journeys. And they'll take them in and just, you know, take the money that's happening uh, and they'll play up energy that may or may not be there. Uh, we're also seeing a rebellion uh, from the earth, from the energy sacred spots as well that is saying, I'm not. I'm tired of you bringing people here who are not serious, who are manipulating people, who are 
leading a false prophet, let's say, along the way. And a false prophet, of course, is anybody who presents themselves as well-knowing and isn't, you know, who, who is in it for the material side of things. So, um, you know, again, it's not, it's not bad for somebody to, to charge a fee for what they do, but it's when money becomes the whole focus that we start to, to shift over into this. And, you know, as we start to look at that, because the indigenous cultures um, of Peru and these various countries, South America, um, have gotten very big because there are some bigger names that have told it, you know, tainted that, that that is going to be the places, that's the next big opening, just as India was for a spiritual movement. And, um, you know, it's that way because of these payoffs that are going on and because of these promotions and publicity that are going on, it's not necessarily because there's an actual opening of energy there. Um, there's a lot of people citing various things, but it's not necessarily true. And, and um, you know, like I said, we're seeing some rebellion from the earth. We're seeing some rebellion from the spiritual ancestors there that um, we have actual spiritual incidences that are taking lives, but then you have these inexperienced people who are leading the journey. And, for example, ayahuasca is a big one that's under scrutiny. You know, let's talk about another big one under scrutiny. And so many people say, as a matter of fact, uh, I was about a year ago, I was back on the East Coast, and I had somebody asking me about ayahuasca journeys. And I said, you know, because they were a little concerned. They were doing some rehab from uh, some other drug issues and things like that. And they had their concerns, and they said, you know, apparently ayahuasca is an addictive, but then other people say that, you know, a drug is a drug is a drug, and drugs will make you addictive. And, you know, I kind of looked at it and said, well, you've got an addictive pattern, you know. So for you, you know, anything could be addictive. You know, vegetables could be addictive. Um, you know, do I think this is a safe substance for that person? No, I didn't think it was a safe substance because when I looked at their codes and I looked at ayahuasca's codes, and it didn't blend well. It was a bad. It was a bad mixture. Well, what we're finding is that, you know, it started off. Some of the the leaders weren't operating very, like I said, authentically, very with great integrity, and they were drugging people a little bit too much from the ayahuasca, and they were doing that so that they wouldn't know what was going on, and they would take money that they had. They would take things they thought they could sell. They would. Um, there were a lot of incidences coming up of sexual um, rape that was going on during these these aspects and, and playing it all off as a spiritual experience. Well, you know, let me tell you something. If you've got a genuine, authentic teacher, they're not going to ask for sex from you. They're not going to, you know, want you to be taking drugs because the authentic teachers want you to know how to get there without the drugs. They know the experience itself doesn't require drugs. They know the experience itself is not going to be authentic if you're doing it with drugs. Yes, drugs can take you out there and give you all these various experiences, but they know the authentic spiritual experience is not done through that manner. It's not needed for that manner. And the authentic and genuine teachers want you to know how to do it without those things. Um, And my experience was, I would get so out there when I was meditating, when I was learning, I didn't want anything. (laughs) I didn't want anything because it was intense enough without anything. 
Um, and so when, when we talk about these ayahuasca journeys, it's gotten more and more intense, and there's a couple of big leaders of these journeys, um, and you can, you can just Google them, you know, Google ayahuasca uh, experiences. As a matter of fact, I, I did a post not too long ago on, uh, within the last couple of weeks of, you know, the dangers of ayahuasca and how it is um, depleting the feminine energy, which is trying to come into the earth right now and restore balance, and uh, how it's turned people very ugly and, and various um, affirmations from people of experiences as they had, and many times where people died in these journeys, and they've had more and more incidences of this, and people have died in these journeys. Their bodies have just been tossed off into the jungle tossed off into the, the hedgeway, and it wasn't until the families insisted on investigation and made traces that they would suddenly find the bodies. Um, it's not a pretty picture out there. And, this, and again, I'm not saying that every teacher out there that does an ayahuasca journey is a bad person or leading you down a wrong road. Um, what I am saying is that you do not need any drug to make you spiritual power spiritually powerful. You do not need to go through that kind of initiation and no authentic teacher is going to insist that you go through that or peer pressure you into that or see that as a means for, you know, your true development or feel that as a part of it or see you as weaker because you don't participate in it. Um, you know, these are the things to pay attention to in there. In there. Um, you know, some people administer under very specific modifications. They've studied it for years and years and years and years and years, and, you know, they've, they've got very specific things, but we also have to keep in mind everybody's bodies respond differently. So, you know, what might work for some people will not work for other people in things. And it's very interesting when I look at the codes of ayahuasca um, and, you know, that that energy pattern in there it does have some powerfully positive energy to it, um, but it is a power-focused energy. So it is more about this being almighty, all-powerful, which again, in the authentic practice and the authentic living um, of spiritual path, you're not going to be consumed with power just like you're not going to be consumed with money. <laughs> You know, you don't have to draw that attention to yourself. You don't have to go through those kinds of initiation. Um, and when it comes down to it, in the ayahuasca journey, the ayahuasca journey is a risk. It's a 50-50 chance of whether you come out of it or whether you don't come out of it. To me, that's a pretty high risk. If somebody says you have a 50-50 chance of making it across the road alive, that's a pretty risky chance. Now, you know, you might... You may look at it and say, well, look at all the people that made it across safely. Well, great. But what's it going to do to you? And this is why you have to really, really research this. This is why you have to, you have to hold your boundaries and say, you know what, that's, you know, I don't need to prove to anybody. I don't have to take more and more of this to prove to you that I can be spiritually strong or have these hallucinations or handle hallucinations. And, you know, that's all ego stuff. Um, that brings us back to those competition patterns that I've talked a lot about 
and you know those pressure tactics. And again, that's that's a testing ground to see how gullible you are to see, you know, if you're able to do it. You know, if you're able to be brainwashed, if they can program you, if they convince you to to do whatever they say. And if they can't convince you to do what they say, they don't want to have anything to do with you. So it's very, very important to pay attention to this um, aspect. You know, what's interesting is when we start to look at these things and you, you have, you know, prior to the spiritual side where were our caste, our attacks were on the, for example, the Catholic religion and a couple of the other religions, um, the Catholic religion in particular for the, the molestation cases, the volumes of cases, and I happened to have grown up with several people that um, were so-called victims or, you know, on molested in the churches. And so, you know, there are those, those aspects as well. And uh, not just in the Catholic religion, but in other religions. And here again, we can't say that every single priest or minister out there is walking that path because they're not. You know, that's, it's just like saying every Amish person, you know, is operating a puppy mill or a cat mill or breeding or things like that and doing horrendous animal abuse. Well, not every one of them is. And this is why you have to be very, very selective in the process. This is why you need to take your time. This is why you need to do your research on whoever you're going to work with. I don't care who they are or what they present themselves with or what their background is. Get to know them as a person. Watch them on a day-to-day life and how they're dealing with things because that's where you're really going to see. You know, anybody can uphold a front for a week or two weeks on one of these journeys. You know, but how are they doing in and out day-to-day life? There, there's a guru, for example, in India who apparently is uh, basically a breatharian. Um, he doesn't eat or drink. They bring him in for research studies every single year. And, um, and he validates he doesn't eat or drink, and he still has all of these energies. He's mastered something on his own um, to give him that energy. Now, you know, in this process, he's an authentic person. But he's not out there going, hey, I'm a guru who's a breatharian and everybody needs to come be a breatharian. <laughs> you know, he is genuinely doing his thing. And whoever is interested, you know, sure, he'll be open to talking with them. Um, but he's not out there going, look at me and look at me and look at me. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a big difference. Then you also have gurus out there in India that are doing this show or presence. They're saying, you know, I'm a yogi, I'm this, I'm that, and you've got a huge division in the Indian culture between the authentic ones and the inauthentic ones. And, um, you know, the authentic ones definitely have a show. You're going to see that they have spliced their pictures onto things. They try to make themselves look very godlike, and, you know, uh, you know, they always have the white garb, and they always have usually a golden light around them or something like this. And, you know, these various things. So, you know, here again, it, it really is about researching, you know, and being willing to not just hear the good comments uh, of people, but taking a look at the people who, who made the bad comments, you know, who, who didn't have the good experiences and find out about that side so that you can really make a wise decision along the way. 
um, in these processes because they are getting more and more dangerous. You know, as I mentioned before, I I literally have known people that used to um, have full hotlines, pornographic hotlines, um, you know, phone lines like you call in type of thing, and they decided there was more money in the spiritual industry than in that industry, so they went and opened a, a psychic hotline instead. <laughs> this is what a lot of people are doing, and this is what they're seeing. They're just seeing it as a way to get money. So even though we have a lot more resources out there, we have a lot more teachers out there, we have a lot more uh, people doing things out there, um, then we also have a lot more false information to sort through out there um, along the way. And, and that's where I say, again, how do you start to get to know whether somebody's authentic? Question, question, question. Ask them questions about their journey. Read up on some of their stories of what they've been through, what their processes have been like. Um, listen to maybe interviews that they've had done of them where they've talked about their stories. Um, ask them their thoughts and their opinions on things. Um, you know, ask them, ask them about their work and, and if they can explain their work. Um, you know, see if you can try their work in small increments. There's a lot of people out there, you know, like myself included, that will go and talk with a group. Or I've been asked, for example, to go and be a part of the sound healing and I was not paid for that. I just went because I wanted to be a part of it and wanted to share an experience with some people that I knew were very, very good at what they did in the sound healing and create an amazing experience and share my message of compassion uh, with people. So you know, there are those, those aspects there that your authentic teachers you know, go to the smaller places because you're going to see them show up. I know of people doing amazing things and they're doing venues that only have maybe 20 or 30 people. Some of them, I know, will only do venues with four or five people in them. And that's because they're narrowing down to who is really, really serious and not just who has the money. Um, Oftentimes, you'll find your authentic people have many layers of things from a, um, you know, just come and explore. Like when I would do book signings, I would be there, I would talk, people would just explore my work that mean, that way, ask me questions about things. Um, and then, you know, or maybe there's an inexpensive workshop that they're doing or, you know, like I do these shows online, it gives you a chance to get to know me and my thoughts and my work and where I'm at. Uh, with things and my my breadth of knowledge that way. You know, that's another aspect. But to seek out some of the smaller venues, you know, some of the shops, the bookstores, uh, things like that. Some of them, yes, they still draw on some big names, but you might find some really, really cool people right in your own backyard or don't be afraid to, you know, go and and explore uh, a weekend retreat with somebody uh, that's doing things, you know. As we talk about some of these things, of course, we had um, Bob Proctor, uh, and uh, you know we've had the people with the Thrive Movement. We've had um, Stephen Denon. Uh, a lot of people know him. A lot of people absolutely love Stephen. 
that I met Stephen in person not too long ago, only a couple of months back. And, you know, these are people that, again, they're selling a lot of stuff. I'm seeing some transition. And I can say, for example, you know, like with Bob Proctor, he was hooked up with The Secret, and he was one of the people involved with that. And there was also a lady who is considered one of the top, one of our top ten uh, influencers um, along the way, and that is uh, Rhonda Byrne. Uh, she was a TV producer and writer, and she too was very focused on being on Oprah and using that channel. But she was um, one of the main key component, the movie version of The Secret. Well, take a look at that. <laughs> First of all, there's not that many people in the movie industry that are genuinely, authentically walking a spiritual path, A. Two, she's a TV producer, right? And all of a sudden now she's a spiritual person? I don't think so, right? And we bring that in, and of course they had the big incidences where they were not allowing people to leave the sweat lodges they were doing, and they had somebody die on one of their journeys um, in the process of things. So that you know these these components of things here again, you've got to really really look. Uh, you know we're seeing some turning and twisting uh, from the Thrive, you know the Thrive movies that were done. Um, by the, the guy that put that out, and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, uh, on that, which, you know, of course, on one hand is awakening us to what the elite are doing. On the other hand, he's still operating in some of the ways of the elite, and he's still living the elite lifestyle, <laughs> you know. So there's some of these, you know, again, some of these very big aspects. Now you have some people, James Redfield, who did the self-esteem prophecy, um, you know, he's, he certainly made his way here and there, uh, but uh, Paulo Coelho is another one, uh, a little more authentic. But you know, it's interesting how we throw these different things around. Stephen Denon, I remember Stephen when he was going through some ups and downs and making some business choices and things. And you know, he really is is kind of an activist, and he talks about these different things. But he's he's one that's jumped on the bandwagon. His father-in-law is. Um, rather well off and a major business mongol, if you'd like to say that. <laughs> Big corporate world callous to, to a certain extent, you know, but um, you know, I, I've started seeing Stephen implement a lot of his tactics um, to build his own business and I feel like it's straight away so much from where Stephen started from. I feel like he's straight away a lot from the authenticity of his work, and what was interesting is when I saw him uh, do this presentation a couple of months back, it was like people were under like the same brainwashing thing. It's like, oh, oh I got to get the book because it's Stephen Bennett, and I'm like, yeah, but what's really in the book? Listen to what he's really saying. What he's really saying isn't so great <laughs> in there. You know, listen to the real message. You know, get past the fluff and the glam of things and Look at what the real message is that is being sent. And and that leads me to another piece of things with a lot of the, the big published names that are out there and things. They'll work through a lot of fear tactics out there, okay? Um, you know, they'll work through a lot of pressure tactics. And, and I have 
you know, a tremendous amount of appreciation for what a lot of these people have put out because they have opened a lot of doors for the spiritual movement in a lot of ways. Um, some of the foundations of their work really are some solid foundations, um, but a lot of them did stray away. And, you know, as much as I can even appreciate and respect the work that, for example, Wayne Geyer put out, you know, he was constantly on PBS. It was constantly sell, 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 money, 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 money. And, you know, it's like how many thousands and thousands of people can I reach? And, you know, so here again, there was really this static piece that went on a lot. And, and again, not to downplay it, because I think that most of these people, maybe not all of them, but most of these people started with an authentic purpose. And I think a lot of them are straight along the way. So you really do have to watch the big names out there. Now, again, take your time uh, because a lot of times when you are listening to something, when you are getting to know somebody's work, it can be very exciting and, and you can be filled with tons of enthusiasm to start with. And then, you know, you, you jump into something before you realize what you've done and you've started spending money you don't have and you've started, you know, all these these this whole cycle of events that is counterproductive for you. Uh, I kind of like to look at this like it's kind of like getting that craving for something um, where, you know, maybe you've got a craving for cookies or you've got a craving for pizza or whatever it is. And, you know, if it is something in that food that your body's genuinely wanting it, it will still be wanting it in a week or two weeks, Okay. But if it's not a genuine craving, you're not going to want it tomorrow. You'll be past that craving from tomorrow or the next day. So I kind of look it up the same way. When people are coming at you saying, you've got to change your life today. You've got to get out of the fear pattern. Are you living in despair? You know, they're all appealing to your fears, to your drama. And when we look at the real teachers, the real teachers aren't appealing to your fears, going, your life is in devastation, you've got to work with me and change it. You know, the real teachers are seeing your life, and they're saying, you know, they're seeing your beautiful, authentic self. And they're saying, I see the light in you. I see what's there. I see your potential. <clears throat> and if you feel like I can be of use to you, Let's talk, you know. It's got to be a fit on both sides. You know, a, a mentor, a true mentor, authentic mentor won't take somebody just because somebody wants to work with them. They will also maybe get to know that person, watch them over some time, like I said, or take slower steps with them if they have any questions or doubts or may do that in general because I've had many people in my own courses and I had a sense that maybe they weren't ready to go on to an advanced uh, course with me, at, you know, at points. And as soon as I told them I didn't think they were quite ready for that, that I would like to see them do certain things before they came into my advanced class <clears throat> because of what the advanced class was going to require, what was going to be needed of them, and I hadn't been seen that in them. And their whole personality shifted, and it was like, you know, it's just all this anger came out and all of this, you know, heavy-duty 
revengeful behavior came out. And I had to calmly say to that person, this is why I don't believe you're ready for my advanced course. Uh, so it's a two-way street. Each needs to decide that they want to work in this capacity with each other. Uh, so take it slowly. Don't be afraid to take your time to, to sit with and explore and find out if the person is the right person to work with. And don't be afraid if they say, hey, I need some time to think about this. Um, you know, again, because there, there are things uh, out there. And the authentic mentor is not looking to give their time and their effort and their energy and share everything to somebody who isn't going to do it. You know, I, I, who isn't going to do the work? Um, I know when I did intuitive work in the past, I, I always loved my clients who would come in and they would take the insights and they would take the information and they would look at how to put that in their own life and they would do something with it. But the people that would go, for example, from psychic to psychic to psychic to psychic to psychic, and they would literally ask 10, 20, 100 psychics in a 24 to 48 hour period the exact same question. And they would never do anything with the information. It's like, I never wanted those people to come to me. <laughs> I would, I would, I got to a point, I just, I don't, I'm not going to read for you. I'm not going to work for you. And, you know, they were just like, you have to because I'm paying you. And I'm like, no, I don't. Here's your money. I don't want it. I'm not interested. And I won't work this way. So it's, you know, these are the things you really, really got to work for. So, it, like I said, take your time to slowly explore the person. Um, you know, it's, it's like you don't have to jump into the whole cake and eat the whole thing in one sitting in 10 minutes uh, all at once. Okay, it's, it's the same thing. Your teacher should be giving you a, a slow path. They should be giving you a path that you have to work with the information for a while before you get the next piece of information. And it should be in authentic ways that you can implement it into your life. Um, so, so some really big pieces, you know, when we're looking at these things, and again, look at them, you know, do they have an ordinary pair of glasses that doesn't cost much? I mean, realistically, whether they're prescription or not, you know, they don't have to look. <laughs> they don't, you know, they don't have to be expensive. And, you know, again, you're real authentic people. They're not searching out for all those material things. They know the genuine, true, real fulfillment, and that's what they're connecting with. You know, oftentimes they're going to be people that are going to be doing retreats, doing things in smaller groups, doing things in more rural areas, uh, you know. Uh, and, the, and, yes, there can be authentic people in big areas, and like I said, in the bigger circles. Um, but, you know, you, you have to really watch the process and, and, again, watch what's happening with somebody as they do grow, as they do gain in the limelight of things um, and, and what's happening there. You know, are they offering a variety of things? Are there some free things you can go to? Are there some things that are shorter things that are less expensive things so that you can try out their work in a way that is a little more comfortable these are really important things when you're on your path because I remember even on my own path, all these people that I would 
look up to. And, you know, I remember I was very, very blessed, and I always thought that. I thought, I'm, I'm so blessed to find these hidden people. I'm so, I'm so blessed to find so many authentic and genuine people come into my life um, and have an impact. But I remember even when I had a, a jewelry piece custom designed for me, oh, my goodness, it was probably 25 years ago or so, uh, by Uma, who actually did get somewhat noted. She was noted at that time in the industry. Um, and then Melanie came out a little while after her um, with all the gemstones and crystals. But Uma did these beautiful, beautiful custom pieces. And I had um, I had two pieces of jewelry by her, one that was a necklace that I had her custom do, and another one was a very unique piece that she had done. And... Um, and I remember going to this this uh, oh conference, and she was there. And I just happened to be standing next to her, um, watching Stephen McDonald play on stage at this conference. And that was before anybody really knew Stephen McDonald, who's a great Celtic, um, Scottish really um, musician. And um, we were standing there and having this just incredible everyday kind of conversation and she looked over at my pieces and and she mentioned something about being Uma and I said, Oh, I'm so grateful to meet you because, you know, these pieces are are pieces I had designed by you and I thought, man, out of all the thousands of pieces she's done, she would never remember and she goes, I remember that piece. She goes, I worked so much on that piece. I put so much heart and soul because I could tell whoever it was for was doing this with so much thought and so much intent and so much um, purposeful energy. And she says, it's it's a piece I will never forget creating. And the other piece, she says, I looked at this and she said, and this piece was one of the pieces that was the dearest to my heart. And she says, I could never forget it, no matter how many other pieces I made that were similar. And... Um, it was such a powerful connection, and I just remember, wow, here's somebody that's doing this work that's truly, truly authentic in their path and their process. Um, but I ran across many other people out there, and I could tell because I really, you know, once I stepped away, there was no connection to their work. There was no connection to what they were providing. Um, you know, it, it just was too much glitz and glam and things like that. So really... But take the time and sort through it and sit with things and meditate on it and see what comes up and see does something affirm it. And don't just look for everything to affirm it. You know, like I said, look for the things that don't affirm it. Because your spiritual path is such a special journey. And your spiritual path is always circling around. And like I said, even when you have years and years and years of knowledge and experience with you, um, you're still going to run across people who will serve as mentors for you. And I, I oftentimes find myself in that place where I have a lot of coaches and people in the spiritual industry that I end up mentoring <laughs> along the way. And it just happens through conversation. Um, you know, I don't go out selling my services necessarily to them or anything like that. It's just kind of like, well, here's my thoughts. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, that's, you know, and, and it becomes a big thing. So 
watch for those things. Watch for those people that make promises that say you have evil around you. You know, this is what I call the gypsy style. And, and I say that because it would be Indian gypsies, um, Indian as in East Indian gypsies and some of those regions um, that would come through and they would tell you that you have this evil spell and they would do something to, you know, promote it. And then they'd say, like, for $1,500, I can remove this for you. But then as they get into the process, it's like, oh, well, I need more and I need more and I need more. And all they're doing is tapping out the bank account. And the reality of it is is that you don't have evil curses on you. You know, this is part of this earthly world that we try to create. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there directing evil negative energy or doing voodoo things or doing these various things. But you don't need somebody to remove a spell from you because the only way that energy thrives is through your fears. And what will shift it is shifting into a space of love. When you stay focused on love, when you stay focused on compassion, when you stay focused on being a beautiful light in the world, when you stay focused on smiling at people as you go by them, when you stay focused on the everyday, small, authentic things, that energy dissipates from your sphere. There is no fear. You're not worried about those things because you realize what most is important in the world, what most is important here or otherwise, is connection, is shining that light. It's amazing that even when we look at these aspects like the Tiger Temple and the, and the journeys and the Catholic Church experiences and the sweat lodges, they all kind of come back to this coding, which is very interesting, which is about responsibility. And that is a big thing of are we being responsible? And these, these, even if they're false prophets, even if they're operating with this deception, part of their role is to teach us about responsibility. And so if we take hold and do that on our own, then, you know, we don't have to worry about being taken advantage of. And as I said, you'll know you have a real teacher because they're not going to do the work for you. They're not going to promise to do everything for you. They're going to want you to be fully independent on your own. They want you to be able to make your own choices and your own decisions. They don't want to do it for you. So some really big tests, and it's just a reminder, just hold to your light. Check in with your soul self. Check in with divine self. What does it feel like? Do you have a funny feeling in your gut? Or do you feel humongous light and peace? And when you step away and you think of that person, you still feel the light and the peace? Or was it only in that moment? Um, you know, ask yourself, what do I think I can learn from this person? But also ask yourself, what is not sitting right with me? What feels off about this person? Because you need to look at both sides, not just the rosy presentation. You need to look at both sides. I hope this information has been really, really useful for you because it's so important. And like I said, your spiritual journey, your spiritual path, and developing yourself and learning and that exploring process is 
an amazing journey along the way. And there's so many things that go with it that can be incredible and enlivening and, and full of a beautiful charge at one point. And there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And, you know, the spiritual path isn't all about the highs. It's about how you deal with the lows when they come too. You know, it's about how do you deal with the challenges and the ebbs and the flows, just like the ocean. How do you work with it all? And can you hold peace throughout that process? These are the things that become very, very important and and the focus. So, um, you know, and, and just don't get stuck on that one person. There are teachers all around us, teachers who don't even call themselves teachers. Um, that are sharing stuff with us all the time if we open up to learning it and and being aware of it. So I wish for you beautiful, beautiful journeys. And through all of my experiences, I can say if you hold compassion in your heart, if you hold an openness, if you hold a curiosity and a questioning and putting things through experience to find out how real they are for you because it doesn't matter how real it is for somebody else, how real it is for you is going to be the key. So take a look at that and enjoy your journey. And don't be afraid to take more than one teacher and don't be afraid to really delve in deeply with somebody and do some intensive work with somebody because you can make leaps and bounds by doing a one-week intensive, for example, with somebody um, and then work with that all year long. So very, very powerful. And, and just if you have any questions, just center into the light, center into the compassion energy, and you will know whether you want to make that choice. Take your time in the process. There is no rush. Okay, next week we're going to jump back into some of those hidden agenda stuff, and I'm going to be looking at the hidden agendas for movies, and what are movies really sharing with us? Are they really entertainment or serving a greater purpose? What makes a movie a big hit? And what information is collected and used through our moving, movie viewing choices? Don't forget that you can get my book, Embraced by the Divine. Well, it's not my book. It's a collaboration effort of Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose through their website, embracedbythedivine.com. You can check out all of my works and codes to monthly video tips, archive shows, interviews, books, everything I'm doing, everything I've got going on, on my website, compassioncodes.com. And don't forget, we've got a variety of shows here on Main Street Universe. Tuesday, Susan Weed is sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. I noticed Kevin Baird jumped on the other night with a show. Wednesday nights, oftentimes there's Daniel and Janice on our flagship show. Sometimes they have guests. Sometimes they're doing readings. Sometimes they're covering a topic. Janice sometimes also does her own show, Reflections and Rhythms. We have a lot of people that are coming onto the network doing once a month type of things. Darren Becker is doing a show uh, once a month. He uh, is based out of, uh, he does work at Madame Laveau in New Orleans. Um, We may have some other new people. Matter of fact, one of my former guests may be coming into the network. Um, we'll see if that's going to happen or not. I hear Mary Phelan is coming back into the network. So lots of incredible people. Um, so definitely check it out. And, of course, we do still have a few more shows here on the Code Connection, even though I'm going to be phasing off of the weekly aspect. Um, we have about six more weeks 
uh, of shows coming up. So going up through the autumn equinox time frame where you can enjoy all the incredible topics. And I still have a guest coming up before um, during that six weeks as well. So we'll watch. This is Jesse on Nichols George, and I'm so glad that you joined me here today. And thank you to all of our listeners, not only on Song Talk Radio, but those streaming live on 10 known as Pair Encounters Network, Stream Finder, and Talk Stream Live, and those catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and also those catching the YouTube version of our show. Don't forget that if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with the song, Yearning For, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai. You can check out all of their work on their website at shemshai.com, www.shimshai.com, or check them out on Facebook. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Code Connection. Do you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week? And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. And we are in time with time. One with season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside The light within Shining to show you it's here to begin all I have is all I need I will soar to the edge of eternity And we see in eye to eye One within love to be for the divine And we're walking hand in hand Caught in the balance of God and
Oh, 